1: Well, the Tampa Bay Lightning play tonight against the Philadelphia Flyers at Emily Arena. They have the best record in the NHL, six points ahead of Toronto, and we've got a treat for you today. Diana Neros joined our staff a couple weeks into the Lightning season. She's the beat writer now for the Tampa Bay Times that covers the Bolts, and in a minute we'll talk about her deep hockey roots, going back to her time covering the Flyers and the Flames and the AHL and ECHL back in Glen Falls, New York. Interesting story she now, too, is in the NHL covering the Bolts, and we'll get her take on the best team in the National Hockey League. All of that today on Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Bursnick. Hey, if you're like me, you're probably sick of paying these high electric bills, right? My last electric bill was well over $300, and that's insane. So if you want to save 90 to 95% off your electric bills, listen to me now. May Electric Solar, that's right. They're a locally owned company, and May Electric Solar is the safest solar available, and they don't use high voltage like some other companies. And May Electric Solar has a 25-year warranty on all their equipment and labor, and they use only their employees, no subcontractors ever. May Electric Solar has a full showroom. You can see their products, and they are open weekdays. So stop the insanity of these out-of-control electric bills. Start saving 90 to 95% now. Call May Electric Solar at 727 819 2862. And right now, you can also receive a 30% tax credit by changing to solar energy through 2019. Call May Electric Solar at 727 819 2862. Diana Neros covers the Tampa Bay Lighting for the Times, and she joins us now. Uh, Diana, thanks. I appreciate you being on the podcast. I, w- I wanted to, to start by saying I, I absolutely admire you from this standpoint, uh, among others, but you jumped into the season. Uh, an NHL season with the Tampa Bay Lightning, a team that you had not covered while they were actually just starting to play the regular season. That had to be incredibly difficult.
0: Definitely not easy. Um, I was fortunate <laughs> in that uh, Tom Jones was a big help to me. And um, mm-hmm. had been. he and Nick Kelly had been going along with, you know, kind of doing my job for me for uh, a month or so there. Um, I actually have a track record of doing this, however, um, I started my first hockey job a week before the season started and had to put together an entire preview section. So um, <laughs> apparently this is just how I like to start jobs. I don't know. I try something different.
1: It's how you roll. Um, you, of course, have a hockey, a pretty rich hockey background. As a matter of fact, you, you mentioned um, you covered minor league hockey. We spent five years covering the Flyers, the Flames, and uh, the HL, the ECHL, uh, for, the, for the post star there in Glens Falls, New York. So uh, I'm guessing that uh, – you know in this job um in addition to you knowing the game very very well of course how much of a of, of uh of an asset is it to have been uh, you know covering minor league hockey and and sort of understanding uh what some of these young players are attempting to do
0: i think it's huge i mean particularly i did not cover the syracuse crunch but syracuse is only three hours from Glens falls so those teams played each other with some frequency um I I was covering a team that played against John Cooper's Syracuse crunch. I, you know, covered teams that played against a lot of these players when they were playing for the crunch. So I knew had some familiarity with some of these players, but I just understand what the AHL life looks like. I mean, when Eric Turner came up and um, when he was first recalled, um, when they were in Buffalo, I sat down with him for a couple of minutes and was just like, what does it feel like to get this call? Cause I've been on that side. I've seen the guys get that call and, you know, pack their one bag for a week with one suit and don't know how long they're going to be there. And kind of when I said, you know, hey, I've been in Glens Falls, I've seen this. He's like, oh, okay, you know what it's like. And the conversation just goes a little more smoothly or, you know, even writing about Yanni Gord, who had been in the ECHL. Very few reporters know what the ECHL looks like. It's just Mm. not a league that we pay a whole lot of attention to. And I spent two years in it. So while I have not been to the Cow Palace out in San Francisco, I still know what that life looks like. I know what um, the, some of those teams look like. And so it kind of gives you a little bit of recognition with them. Plus in some ways we're both, we both worked our ways up through the minors. Um, you know, we were both plugging away on a league that you didn't really aspire to by any means <laughs> to get to where we are now. So we kind of have that in common. Um, they've made it a little bit more than I have in life, but uh, there's some, something in common at the base there.
1: Absolutely. Um, and, I, and I'm guessing for, for those of us that, uh, you know, having grown up in Florida, like, you know, hockey to us is still, even though the, the Lightning have been here for, for quite a while now, still relatively new, at least to me. I'm, I'm St. Petersburg native. But explain to me sort of the relationship some of those, some of those small towns um, in, in the north in New York where you were have with their minor league teams.
0: Well, so Glens Falls is a four-square-mile city. Um, It is technically a city, and my boyfriend, who was born and raised in Glens Falls, will correct me if I call it a town. Um, (laughs) But it's a tiny town, tiny city. Uh, It's the smallest market in the ECHL, never mind when it was in the AHL. So everyone... Um, knows that team, and and particularly in Glens Falls, it's a little different because the uh, Detroit Red Wings had their AHL affiliate for 20 years in Glens Falls, and those were the glory days of hockey in Glens Falls. So especially with the Red Wings, um, and then also to now that their current team is locally owned, there's just this sense of local pride in a way that kind of doesn't compare because, you know, when you're from the Tampa Bay area, you're from St. Pete, you're from Tampa, you know, from any of the towns around you know this is your area but you kind of expect your huge metropolitan area you expect to have teams when you're a small town in upstate new york when you're a syracuse and elmira a glensals a rochester you know it's not a given that you're going to have a professional um any kind of sports franchise so the players aren't quite as the same kind of celebrity status I mean you know these are guys who are making the same kind of money that you're making and they're at the same uh, apartment complexes and restaurants and everything like they live the same kind of life so you kind of get to know them a little bit more um, plus you're rooting for them to make it to the majors in a way that you're kind of like hey I saw that guy when." so it's, it's a little bit of a different relationship um, but it's a really it's a really fun one um, I wouldn't trade my time in Glen Falls um, I know Um, a lot of the guys who have come through the AHL say, you know, Matthew Joseph said he wouldn't be here, um, if it weren't for the AHL, Sean Cooper said he wouldn't be here if it weren't for the AHL. Um, so it's just a different kind of, um, relationship, I guess.
1: And so you come, as you mentioned, um, from the AHL and now you're covering the NHL, but not just any team you're covering, what is right now. Uh, the best team in hockey, one that, that of course, was, you know, in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals last year. When you got around this franchise, what were your first impressions of it?
0: It's easygoing. Yeah? I've been in a few um, NHL rooms or just professional rooms in general where Mm -hmm. they're just – the word tension comes to mind, but it might be a little bit too strong, but – um this room there was just a kind of ease about them that you know the mostly this group has been together for a while they know how each other works they are not it's not that they're not working hard but they are not going against their nature to be a really good team it comes somewhat naturally again not without hard work but it's not it's putting pieces that kind of wanna to work together together rather than like a team that's overachieving or that, you know, it's just more complicated. Um, just kind of the relative ease of things that um, this group has about it is is very unique. Uh, and it's just so clear why they are the best team in hockey right now.
1: You know, what's interesting from afar, um, from, from where I watch, uh, is that you have uh, some established stars in a core that has been together now for a little while, more than a little while in some cases. And yet they seem to integrate these young players, like you've mentioned that are coming up from the minors um, with, with relative ease. Now these are, these are really good players. And so, you know, that, that certainly helps that they have the talent to play at this level, but is it surprising that, that that a team that has so many established stars and veterans are so accepting and, um, and integrate these younger players so easily, it seems.
0: I don't know if I'd say surprising. It's impressive, for sure. This team really, really celebrates its depth. And, mm-hmm. you know, who's your biggest star? Stephen Samkos is one of the most beloved players on that team, almost every interview he's called himself out on it. How maybe he called himself out it's a little strong, but you know, he he's like, I know I keep harping on it, but it's the depth. It's the fact that they have guys who can do different things. So they know they need those different roles. And so they kind of embrace the young players and bringing them along and get really excited for them. And, um, it helps that this isn't a team that's dependent on a young star to be the star. um, you know, you don't bring in, you look at the Flyers and their goalie right now, Carter Hart, like he's a young kid who's now all eyes on him. Mm. And Matthew Joseph coming out of training camp or Eric Chernock on his call up, you know, people are paying attention to him. They want to see what they're going to do. But it's not, here's our one big young star who's going to take off and lead this franchise. You know, they're not expecting yeah. some young player to come in and do that, which I think makes a big difference on how. They are brought up through the franchise. So this team works very closely with Syracuse. So also nobody's getting here and like, oh no, what is this? Like they sure. know they've been, you know, in those two cases, obviously they were in training camp. They had been in camps before. Um, they've had contact. They've had conversations. You know, nothing about this is brand new. It's just a much fancier plane, uh, much bigger stadium, but mm. it's not – brand new concepts it's not brand new people anything and there's no crazy expectations which makes a big difference for how they're brought along nobody gets rushed nobody you know they don't look down at the AHL and say okay we need that guy now we're gonna you know they take the time to make sure that players get the chance to develop and um, I think that makes a big difference in what kind of tone they come into and then the fact that the veterans on the team want, know they need guys to fill all those different roles and do all those different things and want the young guys to be a part of it makes uh, a big difference in why you see them succeed the way they do.
1: I think the depth has been very impressive, but you mentioned the stars are still their stars. And we'll start with the captain in Steven Stamkos, who might be playing or probably is playing his best hockey in several years. Is there a sense that, that, uh, uh, that he is just finally healthy, or is, is there something more to that?
0: I don't know if it's quite that simple, but I can't put my finger on what exactly it is beyond that. Um, mm-hmm. That's definitely part of it, is that he's finally healthy. But there's just some sense of how everything is clicking right now. You know, it's not yeah. just him. Um, mm-hmm. The amount of things that are going really well... At times, perfect. This is not a perfect team, and they have not been playing perfect hockey, but there are definitely moments of perfect hockey in this team right now. And things just seem to be going smoothly, and he's one of those examples. Again, obviously, he's a great player. We know that. He is finally healthy. Um, it's not just as simple as having some good timing where things are going right, but there's a kind of an intangible um mm-hmm use a coach word there's an intangible aspect about this team right now that I can't quite figure out what it is but that everyone's having these moments of you know even atypical brilliance from brilliant players where things just look really good I mean yeah. uh Stephen Samkos has matched his career high for goals in a month and we have three games left in December <laughs> so obviously he's playing great hockey and being healthy as part of that. Um, but everything going on around him is making it better. I mean, Nikita Kucherov is assisting a lot of those goals. Um, and he, in you know, the power play you see with um, Stamkos, he either is making plays for himself, Kucherov's setting him up on plays, but he's also sometimes drawing attention to him because he's playing so well creating openings for other players and the lightning of so many players who are playing so well right now that you can't just pay attention to steven samkos then all of a sudden you lose track of brain and point he scores so now you pay attention brain and point and now Stamkos is, you know, there's some of that going on right now also, that they're all benefiting from each other.
1: They've been so close, and and Stamkos has been so close. And, and of course, there is some, as great a player as he's been and all that he's accomplished, it's almost, I I don't know, he's not Ovechkin in in the the way that he plays, but there's almost a sense that, you know, that thing missing is what's driving him, right? I mean, you, you play this game to put your name on the cup, Does he feel his mortality a little bit in in terms of a hockey sense that, you know, this is a great team, um, we have the talent, we we can do this. This needs to happen while I'm still still playing at this level.
0: Maybe to some extent, but I don't think quite entirely because I think this team still feels like they've got a few more chances. Um, Actually, somebody asked Victor Hedman that the other day uh, on this trip, and that's what he said, that, you know, enough of the core is there with some long contracts that it's not like, Oh, after this year, everything changes. So it's not a like right now or die. But I think they're Mm -hmm. all kind of feeling it. Like this has to happen for us at some point, you know, like we're so close and I don't know, you know, this year feels everything, the way everything's going, we're only, we're not even halfway through the season. So it's early to count things, but you know, you make the Fetchman comparison. I, um, was not even involved with this team, wasn't covering this team at all. But after he won, you know, I looked at a couple of friends and we were like, is Stamkos the next one that you want to see get a cup? And he's not right. quite on that level yet, but I think he's kind of the closest thing there. You know, maybe it takes mm-hmm. a few more years till we all want it for him that badly, but the mm-hmm. way we all did for Ovechkin, but he is kind of next in line. So, um, I don't know. It'll be interesting. This, team seems to have all the right pieces. Um, The the run they're on right now won't continue for the rest of the regular season. There are way too many games left for that, but you're seeing the potential they have, and it's really high. And, um, you know, don't count chickens and all that, but this is a really good team right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, to that point, they're averaging over four goals a game, um, and the last team to do that, uh, thanks to Steve's research, is the ninety five ninety six penguins. So we're in rare, rare company right now with what they're with what they've accomplished. So Andre Vasilevsky comes back. He obviously he was out uh, with with the foot, and um, all he's done is face one hundred and fifty seven total shots. I read um, in four games. So what's going <laughs> on? Are they just leaving this guy out to dry or what?
0: Well, it's been a, a mix of things. The first game back was Toronto, and they did leave him out to dry in Toronto. He won that game. Um, they I know they scored four goals, and it was a 4-1 game, and that looks great, but one of them was an empty netter. I think one of them was pretty late, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, it did not look like a 4-1 game. It looked like a 1-0 Toronto win, and Andre Vasilevsky was absolutely the difference maker there. Um then you go from there, Winnipeg. Um, I wouldn't say they left them out to dry, but that game was a lot more offense than defense in general. Um, they finally kind of got it together. Um, 28 shots, I believe, uh, from Edmonton. And you started to see the Lightning. I know they're not a defensive team, but you saw them playing more of the defense that we had been seeing before the weird timing of Vasilevsky coming back. The thing is Vasilevsky is good enough that he can steal those wins, but you don't really want to keep having him do that. So they need to continue on the trend. They started with that last game there at 28 shots, but he looked great when he was seeing crazy numbers of shots. So, I wouldn't say it's a, like, hit the panic button, we need to figure this out, but it's a, oh, let's pay attention to that because we really should figure it out.
1: For sure. And and I think that, uh, you know, the guy who at this point, because Andre's just come back, that might have been the most valuable player, is it, what did they expect from Louis Domingue? Could he have done any more during the time that Andre was out? I, I thought it, he was terrific uh, um, in that role, uh, having to play, you know, every other day there for a while.
0: Yeah, he was amazing. Um, absolutely. Uh, the, I don't know. Um, I don't want to say he's an unsung hero, um, but he might've been their MVP because he came up with some crazy timely saves. There were some games after he let in a, an iffy goal early on and then late in the third, I mean, even the, the, um, flyers game, he let in five goals there, obviously and late. It was not good. But then even after they tied it up, they probably should have won that game with a shot very late in the third period. And he made a great save on that one to get it to overtime. You could say if he'd made the save on the early ones, he wouldn't have needed that. But the point is he needed it. He made it. And he did a lot of that while he was playing that maybe he let in a couple not great, but when he needed it, he made it and put them in a position where they could win. And that was just very impressive. That's a big switch for a goalie to make. Um, I think it's kind of hard for most of us to grasp how hard it is, the backup goalie role was very difficult. Mentally, you're not playing much. You often get the worst games. Um, You think back to that Arizona game at the beginning of the season. Those are the kind of games backup goalies start, the end of this Mm -hmm. awful road trip. And the team's kind of gassed in front of them, and that's what happens. Um, The second half of the back-to-back, that's often the backup goalie. It's hard coming in on those roles, and that's all you do. So, you know, oftentimes backup goalies numbers are worse because of the games, the kinds of games they play, not just because they are not as good of a goalie as the starter. Um, So it's hard. And then to go from that to playing every day, every game, it kind of took him a little bit of not long, but a little bit of like, okay, this is how this works again. This is my routine. This is my rhythm. Like, we've got this. And um, he did a great job. Um, John Cooper kept referring to it as this is what they expected out of him. This is why they went and got him um, was so he could be in this role if they needed it. And they hope they didn't, but that he was in position if they did um, the team, all players, you know, spoke very highly of him the whole time. You know, just, we know we can trust Louie. So we're not worried. Um, a team should not lose. Maybe not should is the wrong word. A team can rarely lose. One of the best of anything in the league, any position on any sport, and then have the backup come in and make as big of an impact. The fact that you, if you had told me two months ago if they were going to lose Bazilevsky for a month and not drop at all in play, I probably wouldn't have believed you. And then Louis Domingue came in and showed me that I would have been completely wrong.
1: At one point, he had the second, I believe, most wins in the NHL, which was incredible. Um, as you mentioned, for, for a backup goaltender. So we talked about their depth, and the Lightning currently, uh, their roster is full. They have 23 players. So when Matthew Joseph uh, comes back from injured reserve, uh, who, goes, who goes from the roster? I mean, you've only got two players, um, you know, that can go down without clearing, clearing waivers. So it's a nice problem to have, I guess, but they're going to have to make some decisions, perhaps.
0: Yeah, that's a very nice problem to have and a very tough decision. You know, at face value, you say Ternak came up, to fill an injury spot, and so he's the one who goes back, but he had played so well. And we've seen how well he's played, but we've also seen that the fact that they're still putting him in. They're still playing him now that Stralman has come back, and they're not just saying, hey, we have the roster spot. Let's keep him around. They're putting him in the lineup. They're using him to give other guys a break. So if you say you want to keep him, then who who do you lose? You know, there's no one right. else. I don't have a good answer to this one.
1: And you risk Martel or Slater Cuckoo? I mean...
0: You might send Martel down. You probably do send Martel down because you're getting a forward back. But at the same time, you're still having a... You know, that's a weird number of D-men to keep around. Um, Cuckoo. Right. He you was know, the one who's not playing. He's odd man out, but I'm not sure what you do with him. Um, I'm not sure... You know, do you want to make sure you have those D-men available for the playoffs? You know, and obviously that's a way it's down the road. But if you do something with them now and potentially lose them, then, you know, is that going to bite you later? So I don't really know. Julian Breezebaw gets paid a whole lot more than me <laughs> to be able to figure this out. I so, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't envy him this decision, but I guess this is why he makes that kind of money. <laughs>
1: You're right, and that's that's why he's taking over for Steve Eiserman because they think he can make the right decisions. But, like we said, sometimes these things work themselves out too. There's there's not as much a decision as you think by the time you get there. Okay, so real quickly, we're we're halfway uh, through the point of the season or nearing the halfway point. So uh, just whatever pops in your mind, biggest surprise about this this Lightning team so far, player or just or just in general, some observation.
0: The way they've responded to injuries. I mean, obviously, we talked about Vasilevsky; That's the biggest one. But also, Victor Hedman went down for a few weeks, and they saw no dip at defensemen. I mean, this team, with the depth they have, the way they've responded to injuries is incredibly impressive. That's what usually would get a team like this, is that injuries go down. And even if it's not, you don't have that one player, we can't survive without him. It's the fact that it just changes things. It changes your routines. It changes your D pairings, your lines, whatever it is. And that hasn't affected them.
1: Yeah. And because of that, um, has the team, I I guess there were a lot of expectations, but in some ways, is it possible they've exceeded them because of just what you said?
0: I would say so. Um, They are where they were expected to be, but the fact Mm -hmm. that they've gotten here through those injuries, you're right. It has. I think exceeded what maybe your adjusted expectations would be when accounting for those injuries.
1: Right, and so now uh, this is a little crystal ball time. We don't know what's going to happen the, the rest of the way. Obviously, injuries is a big part of this. But as you look at, at the way it's set up right now, they have a um, uh, a you know, pretty good lead. Uh, Toronto is is just six points back. So, do the Lightning? Is this is this team going to win the East? Do you think?
0: It'll come down between those two teams. It's going to be a really interesting playoff because I think it comes down to those two teams. I think Toronto could be their biggest right now. I know crystal ball, as you said, but the way it looks right now, Toronto could be their biggest challenge to getting the cup and that's the division opponent. So they would play them early on. Um, it'll be very interesting. There've been five games so far this year after which I have looked up and said, hey, I'd like to see seven of those in June. Five. That's a lot. You know, they've been playing some really interesting games, um, some tough teams, and it'll be interesting to see what happens when we get to the playoffs, but it could come down to them in Toronto in the East. It could come down to them in Toronto for the Cup, even though, you know, that game gets played long before the Cup. So it'll be interesting. Um, I uh, would love for my first year with this team to be one that goes late and, still be doing in June, so we'll see if that works out.
1: Well, Diana Niros is uh, our NHL star now, and she covers the Tampa Bay Lightning for the Times, and who knows, maybe she'll have a first-year Stanley Cup champion uh, to cover on her hands. We'll see how how that all plays out. But, Diana, thanks so much for joining us.
0: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
1: And the Lightning will be back in action, of course, tonight against the Flyers. And then on Saturday night they have uh, the Montreal Habitants coming in here with Jonathan Drouin before they head uh, out west for a big West Coast trip. And then, of course, it's a football Friday. We'll get you ready for the Bucs season finale against the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, by the way, Deshaun Jackson uh, did not practice uh, as we taped this podcast on uh, Wednesday. We'll see what he does on Thursday, and then we'll also maybe – talk a little bit about whether this is the uh, the last game for Gerald McCoy in Tampa Bay, his contract not guaranteed for 2019, and we'll hear from Jameis Winston in his final news conference of the year. And we're only days away from perhaps finding out the fate of Bucks coach Dirk Cutter and his staff, and perhaps GM Jason Light as well, so maybe we'll hear something about that uh, by Monday or so. We're also going to talk to Matt Baker, our college football writer. He's covering the Florida Michigan game at the Peach Bowl in Atlanta, and we'll preview Uh, the Oklahoma-Alabama-Notre Dame-Clemson games, in the national semifinals, which is Saturday. So a lot going on. Make sure you keep it here uh, on Sports Day Tampa Bay. And uh, remember, quit paying these high electric bills, folks. Call my friends at May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. And right now you can also receive a 30% tax credit for changing to solar energy through 2019. Call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.